If you've ever played billiards or pool, you've used your intuition and some mental geometry to plan your shots. As it turns out, the simple setup of a ball bouncing around in an enclosed region leads to some intricate mathematics, especially when you change the shape of the pool table or add an element of randomness into the mix. Mathematical billiards even have connections to thermodynamics, the branch of physics dealing with heat, temperature, and energy transfer. Welcome to another mathematical moment from the American Mathematical Society. I'm Scott Hirschberger. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Tim Chumley, an assistant professor of mathematics at Mount Holyoke College, and he's going to tell us about his research on random billiards and thermodynamics. So, Dr. Chumley, welcome. It's great to be talking with you. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, so can we start just with kind of the basic definition of what are mathematical billiards? And what do we mean when we're, when we're talking about billiards in, this, in the context of mathematics research? Yeah, I, I think in your description, you actually kind of got it. You know, like the, the definition is, is pretty simple. You have um, some kind of table, uh, some kind of like planar region, and you have a particle that moves in this table and it collides with the boundary. And you want to study the long-term behavior of this particle. Um, and the interesting thing about it is, like you said, if you change the shape of the table, you end up getting all sorts of different kinds of behaviors. Um, the kinds of work that I do is, um, is a variation on what we call classical billiards. Um, so if you're, if you're playing pool or if you're, if you're a classical billiards person, um, when you have a particle that collides with the boundary of the table, you have this like law of physics that says the angle that the particle hits the boundary going in is the same as the one going out. Um, but the work that I do is, um, is something called random billiards, where when the particle goes in and collides with the boundary of the table, um, you end up imposing some kind of randomness that makes the particle go out in some random direction. And the point of this is it's supposed to model something like microscopic happening at the boundary, something maybe physical in nature that you can't quite see at the boundary is causing the particle to collide randomly. I, um, in both cases, I, I guess I already mentioned you want to sort of study the long-term behavior of a particle. Um, and you want to say, you want to ask things in random billiards like, uh, well, is there any sort of like trend that you can notice in terms of um, the frequency of certain angles coming out if you have a certain kind of random distribution or some sort of randomness to the collisions? Um, I've studied a lot of, of systems where the table is a, is a channel. Um, so like two parallel lines and you wanna study um, how the particle sort of flows through the channel like if you start the particle in the middle and you want to see how long it takes to reach like either end of like a finite length channel, um, you might want to ask the question, well, if I have a certain kind of randomness, does that make the particle escape faster or slower? Okay, cool. And have you, when you're talking about this channel, is that just in two dimensions or have you also looked at kind of the three dimensional case of a tube of some sort? 
Yeah, I think that um, a lot of the examples that I've worked on have been in, in two dimensions because uh, things get really tricky when you have a certain kind of um, distribution that you impose on, on the boundary to, to make the randomness. Um, but but I've also done some work in, in three dimensions, but, but things get really kind of tricky there and I'm just sort of been in the middle of it recently working in three dimensions. All right, so the setup is simple. As we've said, we have a particle bouncing around. You've imposed the randomness conditions. So how does that end up relating to thermodynamics or like heat and temperature? Sure, so, um, so one kind of randomness that you can impose on the boundary is, um, is a randomness that like not only changes the particle's direction when it collides with the boundary, um, you might impose something that causes it to like speed up and, um, and you might think of like having a temperature on the boundary and having a hot temperature on the boundary makes the particle speed up on average really highly. Um, or if there's a cold temperature, it might speed up uh, less as compared to like a hot boundary. Um, so um, I guess one, one picture you can have in your mind is um, maybe your table is kind of simple. It's just a, a box. And on one side of the box, there's a hot wall. And on the other side, there's a cold wall. And so you want to study what's going on with the particle over time as it sort of travels through this box. And you might ask questions like, well, is it, is there some kind of like direction that's happening because whenever it collides with the hot side, it sort of wants to move faster in that direction. And whenever it collides on the cold wall, it kind of slows down because that wall is cold and it's just sort of reducing the energy of the system in a, in a sense. Mm -hmm. So have you found that that intuitive notion of what might happen does actually happen, that there is some sort of directional transfer of energy going on? Yeah, so this, I mean, this is the kind of thing that people were studying like for a long time, like people in the 1800s when they were first thinking about like classical thermodynamics, they, they had this kind of intuition and they developed these like these laws of, of thermodynamics. Um, and, and it turns out that when you study the systems that I study, um, there's, there's kind of mathematical definitions that, um, that let you think about like how, um, how like reversible or irreversible this system is. Um, and you can connect those definitions to ideas of like, um, exchange of temperature and, and direction to, um, to these systems. Um, and it turns out that like, you end up you you end up being able to prove results that look like the kinds of results that you think about when you study physics or when you study like classical thermodynamics. Okay. And so one thing that I think you're hinting at here is the concept of entropy, um, which has a lot of different definitions. One of them is kind of the amount of disorder in a system. And I know this also relates to the so-called arrow of time, this idea that on a microscopic scale, everything that's happening is reversible. But when you look at a macroscopic level, now time goes in one direction and you can't undo the process 
that's happened. So how does this play into the, the random billiards models that you're looking at? Right. Um, so when you study, um, when you study a random billiard, um, you're studying this kind of process that's called a, a Markov chain. It's, it's a random process that sort of happens in steps. And we can think of these steps as like the collisions of the particle with the boundaries, the hot or the cold boundaries. Um, and you can define a notion of entropy for these kinds of processes. And this, this notion of entropy is, um, it's kind of measuring like the likelihood of seeing a certain kind of trajectory. Like it's measuring the likelihood that you would see a particle speed up after hitting a hot wall and slow down after hitting a, a cold wall. It turns out that the definition of entropy from, from physics and from thermodynamics also pops up. Um, so in, in physics and in thermodynamics, you might think of entropy as, um, as some measure of like the exchange of energy or of heat uh, between parts of a system. And it turns out that, that these two things are connected in random billiards, or these two things are actually kind of the same notion in random billiards. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. And um, are there any other examples of particular systems or setups that you've investigated that you'd like to highlight here? I kind of described this kind of simple, um, simple billiard, billiard with a with a box and two temperatures, one on one side and one on the other. Um, one thing that you can do um, to slightly modify that is you can um, you can think about the particle hitting um, hitting the top of the box and and having the top of the box be maybe like a, you could think of it as a, like a conveyor belt. And so when the, when the particle hits the top of the box in one direction, it makes the conveyor belt want to sort of rotate in one direction. And when it hits uh, from the other direction, it wants to reverse the direction of the conveyor belt, right? And so this gives you kind of a way to to really physically see the direction of the system. You might imagine that conveyor belt is like attached to some weight that it's trying to lift up. Um, and so, you, so these systems, you can, you can even kind of think of them as like, as engines that are, that are doing work. Um, and so you can, um, you can actually sort of quantify like how efficient these engines are, how much work they do. Um, and we've done like simulation studies of, of simple models like this and, and they're, they're really inefficient engines, but, but they actually, you can actually prove that they, that this kind of setup actually does work and it actually would lift, uh, lift a little mass. Okay. And are you at the point yet where you're starting to see some potential applications of this to like real life systems or is the connection still in the early stages there? Yeah, I, I think that um, for from my perspective personally, like I, I, I don't know the um, the intricate details of like real life systems. Um, just I, th I think like the the broad perspective is is we're is we're doing 
sort of like fundamental science in a way we're trying to trying to start with like really kind of simple models and try to try to explain like classical phenomena like from a mathematical level in order to to build up to more complex systems and and what's your favorite part your favorite aspect of doing this sort of work on mathematical billiards I think that um, when you get into the when you get into the details, there's um, there's lots of different sort of connections between mathematical ideas. You know, like uh, I kind of think of myself as like being a person that's like super into probability, but but there's ideas from other areas of math like geometry or uh, dynamical systems um, uh, analysis. And so um, when you get into thinking about like how these systems work, it's, it's fun that you kind of have to have to adapt and think about like different areas of math and like put them all together to really understand like some of the big picture ideas or be able to like work through like proving theorems. Well, thank you, Dr. Chumley for talking with me. This has been really interesting. And I hope everyone who is playing pool or thinking about it can remember that there's a lot of mathematics involved there and it's inspiring even more mathematics in the future. Thanks, Scott.